Greetings, everyone, and before I begin ranting and raving incoherently, I thought I'd tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need to do it all in one place. And believe me, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone. And when you host through Anchor, you can distribute your podcast through listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and even more. It has everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, it's free. That's right, Anchor is free, and who does not like free? So if you're interested or you want to make your podcast today, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another ludicrous car review. And today we have, um, well, we're going to do a car review, quite obviously, but we have a car that I honestly, when I first looked at, and I was rather conflicted. And to be honest, I was kind of curious about the vehicle and what my first impressions would be. So I'm going to kind of go through the first impressions and review of this vehicle. Obviously, I've not actually driven any of these, but, um, honestly, yeah, and looking at the pictures of this vehicle it had me baffled for a bit as to what exactly to call it is it a car is it an suv i know these evs are getting kind of confusing with what they call themselves i guess most of them obviously are classified as suvs the mid-size or compact suvs but um well some of them are starting to look a little baffled and confused with what the heck they are dodge is kind of the first one to come up with one that actually looks like a car and SUV is a separate thing, but uh, car company seems to be struggling with that. So we're going to review a car from Audi, a newer one, which is also supposed to be, supposedly, as I say, one of the cheaper SUV or rather EV options available to the people. But honestly, considering it's, well, EV, there is really no such thing as cheap, as cheap to them is, well, it's only a $40,000 vehicle. Sure, everybody can afford that. So we're going to have a look at that, and um, as well as get into some news, some big, some small, some big news from, I believe it's Toyota that's gotten, uh, well, we'll get to that, we'll get to it. So anyways, on to the review of today's car, ludicrous car. Oh, wow, I am losing my voice. Oh, yes. Today we're going to end with the ludicrous car, the Audi, oh, this is a Model 4, Audi Q4 e-tron, the newest EV. So to start with, this is the 2023 Caudi, Caudi, yeah, I'm already messing this up, aren't I? Yes, the 2023 Audi Q4 e-tron. Yeah, you know, like Tron, you know, the movie that came out in the shitty remake a few years ago as well. No, um, yes, yeah, so overall, we're going to look at this thing from front to back, going with the exterior view. Then we'll get into some of the mechanics of the vehicle and um, then the interior as well. But first, to start off with, this thing is supported as supposedly being one of the cheaper versions of EVUs. It's Audi's cheapest SUV option, or EV option, I should say. And I get it's a luxury brand in that, but cheap is not exactly cheap. I know, I kind of said earlier that it was the cheaper brands, but, um, yeah, I may have been mistaken on that fact. Because this thing starts at the price of a paltry, you know, everybody's got this amount, of a paltry, you know, $50,000, or, you know, the nice kind price of $49,995. Yeah, I've got to get that full of a number in there okay and this apparently comes in an e-tron suv and an e-tron sportsback and uh gt as well which is sporting as a well 
it's also sort of like, I don't know, a strong proof concept. Um, now, we're getting to the first to get into the exterior of the vehicle, and this is where things get a little baffling, if you will. To start off with, let's look at the, well, what they call the SUV of the group. And to be honest, as an SUV, it kind of, you know, does its thing. I honestly question what the heck it's supposed to be. Um, I don't know. I'm looking at this thing. The SUV doesn't look half bad. I mean, let's face it. All SUVs look pretty stereotypical. It has a typical Audi big grill front end with the things. And this body lines are pretty much contoured around the edges of the fender. Nothing really spectacular. It's got this weird thing going on where it looks like the... I don't know. It's kind of the whole goes around the whole body of the car. Almost looks like there was a Lego frame just kind of plopped on top of it in that. It's got this kind of, I guess the only thing I call it is a crease line running around the wheel well, down the baseboards, back up the wheel wells, around the whole back bumper, and then back around and all the way up down the front. It, it, it's kind of weird. I know some cars do this, but this is kind of really pronounced. It kind of looks like a car's just kind of you know, plopped down the chassis and, well, that's what you got. But that's honestly not the most confusing factor of this car. For me, the most confusing factor of this car is the, what appears to be the, um, the Sportback, or what is it? Wait, what do they call it? Sportback? It can't be a Sportback. Uh, yeah, that's what they call a Sportback. Okay, the Sportback variant of this car, which it looks like it's baffled as to what it's supposed to be. It looks like a car that um, decided that it was, well, a bit too short, and decided to jack itself up by, you know, a whole foot. I'm not sure why they didn't just lower it a bit and make it a car, because honestly, looking at it from a car standpoint, if you just kind of remove about a foot of that car from the bottom and just kind of leave the top of it and kind of mush it back together, it actually get a bad-looking car, to be honest. And it's actually a little bit sporty-looking and rather cool. But as an SUV, it just looks, well, confused. And to be honest, the only thing that kind of strikes me as a bit weird is in the back end of the car, it... it it takes on that typical jelly bean appearance, little roundish egg looking thing. But on top of that, it has this sport wing on the back that takes up a good portion of your windscreen. In fact, it looks like you have nothing more than a sliver of window to actually look out of the back, which I imagine probably impairs your vision quite a bit. And to be honest, even from the back end, it just, again, looks a little confused. It looks like from the top half, you just cut off the bottom part, it would be a car. But it's got the height of an SUV, so it's baffled and confused is the best way I could describe it. I'm not quite sure what the design people were quite frankly thinking when they made this Sport Pack edition. I get it's kind of popular. I think Mercedes has something rather similar to it. But it's just baffled. It looks like it should be a car, but it's not. And it's like, well, we can still appeal to the car people while still selling them an SUV. And it just don't work like that. Make a car, make an SUV, but why does all EVs need to kind of adopt this weird-ass concept that they got going on? It just baffling to me. The side profile also is not too flattering when it gets to this point as well, because especially when they had the white one, which I'm taking a look at now, the pictures, it looks kind of weird, to be honest, almost a cross between a SUV, a minivan, and the back end a uh, car, which, again, it just looks elongated, like if you took the picture and just stretched it out, it just doesn't look too good. In fact, they have a close-up shot where they kind of just removing the whole bottom part of the grill, and it looks like a pretty good-looking car, until you realize there's the rest of it that's been cut off, and it, well, gets confused at that point. Again, the Sportback still has that same thing going on with the, you know, the half thing cut off, like the whole chassis of the car just plopped on top of a pre-built frame. So, honestly, from the exterior the proportions, I guess, yeah, I think the best way to describe the exterior is baffled and confused, because, well, that's what it is. There's no other way to put it. 
So let's get on to some of the numbers, shall we, before we get into the interior of this vehicle, because hopefully that'll have some redeeming qualities. As I stated before, the Q4 starting price is about $50,000, meaning the model Audi will be leading to help achieve its goal of 30% of U.S. sales, which it's a bit ludicrous. They say it's going to achieve that sale by about 2026, but you know... I guess. Personally, I don't see that with that number happening at all. Apparently, Audi also charges a $3,000 premium for the coupe-like profile. You know, that Sportback edition. It's, again, a little bit weird, and I personally would not recommend it for 3000 bucks. Okay, and um, so, the Audi Q440 with a single four-horsepower, or single horsepower, yeah, it may as well have a single horsepower. This thing is a little underwhelming for an electric vehicle. It only has 200 and one horsepower horsepower rear motor or they can add the front motor for a 295 combined horsepower this is pretty wimpy i know they're kind of big into torque that's kind of what their selling point is but bloody hell that is that is slow even for their standards i get it's got a lot of get up and go to it for horsepower but i don't know it's just a little bit weird apparently the um the all-wheel drive oh, i'm sorry the community horsepower all the all-wheel drive for the q40 or q 450. Yeah, that number's going to get a little curious. So you have Q40 or Q440 with a single horsepower and the Q450. Yeah, yeah not sure why they put in the number system after they numberized the car, but yeah. the Sportback can only be had with the all wheel drive charging with a 295 horsepower, which would be capable of an estimated 0 to 60 in 5.8 seconds. Again, these things are blistering fast, but I think imagine you top out probably at 80 miles an hour, probably pretty damn quick. Because honestly, I don't see that horsepower. That motor's got to be whining like a bat out of hell just to keep that thing going at 80 miles an hour. Especially with all the weight on that thing. All variants feed their motors from a 82-kilowatt battery, which actually isn't too good. Uh, actually rather disappointing. Audi claims 265 miles of range for the single motor and only about 236 or 242. Oh my lord, this is... This is pathetic on numbers. I was hoping numbers would be some kind of redeeming quality, but it isn't really impressive in the horsepower category, and it's kind of pathetic on the range, to be honest. 256, 265 miles doesn't get you jackedly squat as far as range. I mean, especially when you got, like, Mach-E coming out with, like, 300-plus miles of range, and then it's even at the highest range thing. It ain't even, it's just disappointing, to be honest. Wow, okay, I didn't think of that, um, and apparently that's actually got to do with a lot of with the uh, slight aerodynamic advantage to it as well, according to this motor just Man, that's disappointing. I thought it would be a little bit sportier than that, you know, but well, here we are. Um, yeah, the charge, is top, charge top speed out at 150 kilowatts, according to kilo, yeah, according to Audi. It's good for 580% charge in 38. 36 minutes. Oh, good heavens. 5 to 80% charge in 30 minutes. I guess 80% charge is good, but when you're only getting 265 miles, that's a bit, well, pathetic, to be honest. Okay. It's, the numbers are disappointing. There's no way about that, especially for the price of the vehicle as well, and the exterior certainly ain't saving it. Let's see if there are some redeeming qualities in the interior of this pile of junk so far. Um, the biggest changes from the old 22 model variant is a 11.6 inch touchscreen infotainment systems to for the 2023. It replaces the old 10.1 inch, so it's getting a little bit touch, bigger touchscreen. Um, it also comes with a, if you get the sports package, the prestige metallic paint as an option as well. So, um, yeah, but these, but again, looking at the price of these things, apparently these 
all-wheel drive rated about around. I'm seeing the rating not too bad. They're only about twenty six hundred pounds. It's pretty light, but it tops out at seventy thousand dollars. Holy guacamole for holy! Um, that ain't not cheap in the slightest. So let's get a look at the interior of this thing, and hopefully that they can save this sorry excuse for a vehicle so far. So to start off with, looking over the interior, um, I'm not exactly impressed. Just like the outside, confused. I guess before we get to the front, we'll start with the back because I'm not trying to take the front. I need a minute to process this visual assault on my senses. Um, the back is still got a lot of storage space. Yay. Um, the front. Okay. Um, okay. This is probably the weirdest. I give them credit. They built the electronic infotainment into the, dash into the dashboard. I mean, yay. But, um, my God, I've never seen so many vents in my life. Apparently, they decided that the best way is um, all vents. Just vents galore. Vents on the passenger, on the driver's side, left driver's side, right? And apparently, the well, they didn't think the passengers get enough air, so they decided to put the entire front glove box is one big vent. Yeah, vents galore. Vents just run from the dashboard all the way... Well, perhaps you can't cover the infotainment system, but they just plop that in the middle, and then right back over to the driver's uh, vents. More vents. Yay, vents for everybody. Um, it looks a little weird. Um, I'm not quite sure how to take it, to be honest. Um, oh, another gripe I have, I guess, before we get on to that, more vents, um, is that uh, the infotainment system, while it is built into the dash, yay. The fact is, is that it's also got a weird thing where, at least from what I could tell, it almost looks like it's just kind of cutting into that weird-ass, like, dashboard thing. Like, it scoops out pretty far into the passenger's, like, area. And it scoops back in, kind of creating this weird, like, triangle like cutoff point where the touchscreen goes and they also have the habit of tilting these touchscreens back which drive me up a bloody wall because yeah i want to see my screen looking at the ceiling yeah i'm gonna be looking at that um the steering wheel yeah let's go to the steering wheel because vents um yeah the steering wheel is um interesting it has a cool like almost like a ac car feel with the flat top and the flatter bottom i'm not it doesn't look bad honestly i don't think it looks terrible it looks kind of futuristic while still being drivable unlike tesla teams to do um it's got plenty of buttons and gizmos and gadgets all over it and it has a pretty decently built into shape around that contour that steering wheel for the um well i've seen it oftentimes where they put these flat strings where they put the rounded dash top on which doesn't exactly work considering the fact that a lot of your gauges top of your gauges are cut off from the flat steering wheel they have flattened out the top of it to fit that cluster gauge in there which i give them credit for it doesn't look too bad and from the driver's side cockpit it doesn't look pretty bad um the center console thing is actually pretty darn cool if you actually take a look at it pretty closely it doesn't have much to it but it does have the start and stop and honestly the only gripe i have uh, it's got this weird toggle switch for the drive thing which honestly i would take me a minute to get that thing figured out but it does look kind of futuristic because it kind of sticks out as kind of like a whole separate like electronic platform i guess that looks pretty darn cool but again vents galore um i, I just i can't just it just i'm not sure who thought that putting the entire like one humongous like air conditioning duct over the top of the passenger side glove box was just that's a brilliant idea let's go with that shall we um the side doors are honestly pretty underwhelming they have the contour going up from the um events um into the door panel which has all your little gauges bits on it and the door handle but the problem is after that it's kind of just 
bleh, it's just bling. There's nothing else there. There's no wood trim. There's no fancy plastics or any kind of thing. It's just kind of bland after that. It's like they dumped all the money into the front dashboard and realized, oh shit, we have doors to put in, don't we? Yeah, um, the seats, looking at the seats are a little underwhelming. They don't look like they'd be terribly uncomfortable. I like the fact that they, they have side bolsters, which I do like, but I don't like the fact that these head, they have the common things now where the head piece tilts forward because I think they think that's a thing now. Um, that personally drives me nuts, a little uncomfortable. Uh, rear passenger leg room looks about as cramped as most of these things tend to do. Um, not overly big, but not overly small either, I guess. Pretty average space, and again, not much to speak about in the back. As far as infotainment, it's kind of your standard infotainment system. Um, not really much to say about the cluster gauges, a couple gizmos and gadgets on there. And as far as the buttons on the handle, well, it's your typical talk, heated steering wheel, speaker volume, button change, channel, all that good gizmos and gadgets on it. So, yeah. So, uh, what are my overall impressions of the vehicle? Well, based on what I saw in the interior and the exterior and the sadly disappointing numbers, I guess um, the most accurate statement would be the way I described the outside. Baffled and confused. To be honest, the car does not look god-awful. It doesn't perform... Well, the interior isn't... The interior is just baffled and confused. It's not god-awful, but sure as heck ain't good-looking, that's for darn sure. And the exterior of the car kind of reflects that same opinion. And the problem is, is the horrendously disappointing numbers with only a whopping, like, 265 miles of range. Even at the top end of that thing, that's sad and kind of pathetic, honestly. Especially when you're kind of asking people $50,000 and, like, 70000 for, like, fancier versions of these things. That is astronomically high cost for something, to be honest... It is very disappointing. There are much better options. I mean, sure, you don't have the fancy-ass Audi tag or the weird interior, but at least you can get a Mach-E, which has a hell of a lot more horsepower and can go a hell of a lot farther as well. Imagine that. Horsepower and range. That's kind of important in many people's cars, especially when it takes 36 minutes to charge at 80%. Just a wee bit disappointing. So overall, Audi, my best way to describe this car is a disappointment. Rather sad, and as I stated earlier, baffled and confused. So, with that out of the way, let's get on to a little bit of news, shall we? Because we got some big news coming out of um, well, a certain car brand removing a certain CEO. So, on with the news, shall we? So to start off with, we got um, some rather big news bits for you all. Um, I could start off you with the big bit, but um, we'll just start. Off, we'll ease you into it. Um, Honda, the guy who kind of built Honda with the NSX and all the big bits, something that basically rose Honda as the big dog it is today in the car automotive world, former president and forward thinker, and overall the industrial legend. We say goodbye to Tadashi Kumi, and I know I've probably butchered that man's name. The executive basically destroyed Ford throughout the years and released probably one of the most iconic cars Honda ever made, the NSX. And basically, he sadly passed away on September 11th at the age of 90. The man was pretty much a legend, having developed pretty much Honda from a rather rickety car brand that nobody had honestly heard of to basically one of the automotive giants producing basically one of the bigger car brands in the U.S. and just not only the U.S. but around the world. It produced 11 generations of Honda Civic following the international standoff and is basically a testament to 
Kumi's nerve. I mean, the guy basically stood down and stared down some of the industrial giants of America and basically wedged himself in there to produce basically a giant of an automotive company. I mean, he was pretty much responsible for Honda's golden age. So wherever you are, Mr. Kumi, I wish you bond farewell because, well, you were pretty much a legend in the car industry. And for any of NSX fans out there, believe me, you will not be forgotten. In other news, we have more, well, insanity. New York governor, you know, the current one that's in charge of, well, Hobo Central, he's, well, she's planning on, um, well, they think it's a good idea to uh, place a gap ban on gasoline cars like California did by 2035. I am not sure where they think this is a good idea. Because at the very least, California has, you know, well, tracts of land. What is uh, New York missing? Well, you know, tracts of land. Gavin Newsom, Newsom, yes, Gavin Newsom, uh, why can't I pronounce his name? Well, not that I really care. Um, approved a bill that would ban the sale of new gasoline vehicles in the state by 2035. He has yet to really speculate, though, on um, where this is exactly coming from. After all, many states use California's carb guidelines, guidelines for their own emission rules, New York included. But the problem is, is that the New York um, governor has failed to uh, explain how the hell a giant clobber of New York people are going to somehow be able to get swaths of electrical power to their cars. Because, well, let's just say New York cab drivers don't have 36 minutes to sit around waiting in their cabbie to pick up somebody on the street. You need to get in and go. As is, New York is kind of a crammed-in skyline of chaos. To be honest, you don't really have time to be waiting 38 minutes, and honestly, I'm not sure where you're going to park all these things as well for 38 minutes. I don't see this improving the traffic jam situation either, my friend. Basically, I think it's a rather stupid and foolish idea. While I do think that eventually the world will force us all to put in electric vehicles, perhaps passing laws that force people to do it is not really a good idea because we don't really know what the result will be. We could go get all these cars and out there and realize that they are absolute shit and do not perform well and uh, take too long to charge and cause traffic jams and overall just terrible for the environment. But we don't know that. We're just passing laws that ban the whole gasoline thing without really in a question or debate. How about push for more like hybrids than that? And uh, speaking of hybrids in other news, Toyota CEO defends its cautious EV rollout, and it doubles down on hybrids and hydrogen. Yep, Toyota seems to be the only one with some kind of sense here realizing that the craze of electric vehicles, while maybe the future as everybody seems to be pushing, isn't exactly all, you know... Well, they ain't exactly looking at it with rose-colored glasses. They're looking at it more logically, wondering, well, we don't have any infrastructure or any plans or any real system to build these things. We're kind of screwed. Let's, um, let's roll these out a little bit more cautiously. Let's, uh, let's look at hybrids because that's the, um, you know, smart thing to do, you blithering idiots. The fact is, is that hybrids are probably the best way to go. It combines your save-the-world-planet-green people, but it also still allows you to thump that occasional gasoline engine whenever you want. And on top of that, it saves you a hell of a lot of money in gas in the long run. I don't think gas is entirely ready to be phased out, as everybody seems to think it is, because, well, we don't have the infrastructure to replace it. So, honestly, CEO of, of uh, Toyota, Akio Toyota, yes, I think that's his name, I applaud you for your firm stance, and I give you two big thumbs up, because I think you're the only visionary that seems to know what Sam Silly's talking about. And uh, speaking of a uh, visionary that seems baffled and confused, 
You know the old uh, duck boats, or not duck boats, uh, well, yeah, duck boats used to do it too, but the Amphibicar and that, well, we have a new one, Tesla, you know, their Cybertruck, that bodily-looking triangle on wheels, Elon says that Tesla Cybertruck, well, she can float, and she's ready to take to the Oklahoma waters. <laughs> Oh, good lord, Tesla. Okay, why would you think this is even a good idea? Like, what in green earth do you think this is a good idea? Um, this will probably float as well as, you know, the rock through the windshield did on this bulletproof windshield. Or, well, you know, Tesla can't even seem to seal up the trunk of a vehicle. And I'm supposed to drive this thing out into the middle of a lake? I don't think so. And at least with the Amphibicar, that thing was a convertible, so you can, you know, sit out there and... I, I fish i guess i'm not sure why hell you want to be fishing to your car i don't know why is this useful why is this important why you doesn't even care i have no bloody clue i just can't wait for the first goofball to drive this thing into a lake have his battery short out on him and get stuck out there and probably for hours as his $200,000 Tesla truck sinks to the bottom of Lake Michigan. But we'll see. Hopefully that doesn't happen and somebody will be able to actually look at these things and go, that's not a good idea. Especially considering it's hinted at these things will only cost about $40,000. Yeah, we'll see. While some people have taken supposedly some delivery of these things, the truck was promised to be revealed, well, what was it, two years ago now? I don't know, these things have been delayed for all eternity. Who knows if this car even exists at this point? Well, we've seen some cars being supposedly delivered, um... We've yet to see any really being, you know, existing for anybody to buy. So, that's supposedly going to be the floating and bulletproof Cybertruck. Get one while they're hot and cheap. Because, apparently, they're going to be the new Amphibicar of the world. That's just what the world needed more of. And, uh, finally, in Jeep news, I haven't done a whole lot of Jeep stuff as of late. Jeep has announced that they're announcing a new Farhout edition for its Rubicon Eco Diesel. But that also being said, it is also bidding a fond farewell to the Eco Diesel. The Eco Diesel V6 has been a part of their 3.0 liter Eco Diesel lineup for quite a while, and it's one of the older mid engines, probably right along with the Pentastar. But as the new Hurricane engine rolls out and other options become available, it, not many people were buying them in the first place, and then for good reason too. While diesel has its advantages, it also has its big disadvantages and costs and everything else like that and generally let's just face it uh, ram is not really known for boosting a whole lot of diesel engines so it was an expected move by wrangler by 2023 these engines will be gone but if you're interested in getting one last pretty damn cool edition of this thing the uh, far edition actually looks pretty cool it's got a pretty cool like racing stripe 3.0 liter diesel sticker on the front which looks pretty cool overall so yeah that'll do it for today's news which well, I got some comedy bits out of it from Elon Musk again. Whoop-de-doo. I was always worried that guy kind of fall off the face of the earth with Cybertruck with all his, you know, Twitter stuff. But, you know, I'm glad to see he's still out there providing us with good old Cybertruck entertainment. Anyways, uh, that's all for the news. So that'll do it for today's episode. I appreciate you all listening to my um, rather confused review of the... How do you, the Audi Q4? If you're interested in the well, industrial-sized ventilation system inside of that car, take a look at the pictures. I'm sure you'll be just as baffled and confused as I am, as well as the exterior and the stats. So, anyways, that'll do it for today's episode. I hope you all have a great day and a wonderful night. If you are so inclined, I would appreciate a review of the podcast, hopefully five stars and or two thumbs up or whatever Spotify gives for me. And uh, have a great day and a wonderful night. Goodbye and farewell. <laughs>